franchising just seems to be everywhere and flourishing. Join me in this episode when I talk with Jeremy Morgan, who is the CEO of WellBiz Brands. WellBiz Brands operates five fantastic brands, including Dry Bar, Elements Massage, Radiant Waxing, Amazing Lash Studio, and Fitness Together, all high-end brands for folks who want something a little extra. Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. So welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Jeremy Morgan, who is the CEO of WellBiz Brands. Welcome, Jeremy. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, we have a lot to talk about with you. So you are currently the CEO of WellBiz, but gosh, what a career that you've had. So let me cover a few of the highlights and then I'll ask you to share some things. Perfect. So, you know, I got to start with education because you have quite an education with a bachelor's degrees in economics and computer science from Duke. And then you have an MBA from the esteemed Kellogg School at Northwestern, all fine institutions. You started your career in finance and strategy with top organizations. Then you moved to brands starting with Smashburger, where interestingly enough, you led marketing and consumer insights, then on to the CEO route. First with Tava Kitchen, then Elements Massage, then as WellBiz acquired the other brands, you were named CEO of each one. And when I looked at it, it looked like this order, Dry Bar, Fitness Together, Radiant Waxing, and Amazing Lash Studio. And you even serve on a few boards. So what a career. Let's unpack it just a little bit. Let's start early in your career. How and why did you transition from finance to strategy to consumer insights to CEO? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It, it, as you even start to list it off, it, it just highlights the uh, nature of a meandering career path some, in some ways and letting, uh, you know, letting opportunities that come to you uh, and really taking advantage of them overall. Uh, I always wanted to be involved in consumer-facing businesses one way or another. I, I probably didn't even know what franchising was. But I, I certainly, and I'm not sure that uh, you know, beauty franchising executive would have won the bingo card in college. Um, but you know, I thought it was really important to get a great baseline, you know, business understanding. Started my career at J.P. Morgan in finance. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually ended up doing a short stint in the corporate strategy group uh, there. So I ended up kind of pivoting from banking to more business strategy stuff, which I really, really enjoyed. By happenstance, uh, I was living in Chicago. I was going to New York every single week um, to be in the strategy group and really great experience, but I didn't really want to live in New York City mm. permanently. And my team was mostly a army of former consultants. Um, and so I, I learned the world of McKinsey and Bain and BCG um, from them. And I realized, boy, I actually like that more than the banking side of things. And so as I finished up my MBA at Northwestern, I had an opportunity to join Bain. Uh, as a post-MBA consultant, uh, and I did that. Uh, and I was able to stay in Chicago and be part of uh, the Chicago team there and got really involved in a lot of their consumer practice. Um, worked a lot on various different consumer businesses, did some work on some franchising businesses, actually, at that point, um, but also some technology companies, some products companies, some retail companies, and just kind of got that typical generalist experience. And when I decided to leave Bain, I remember having a conversation with um, one of my mentors. I basically said, look, I'm really interested in moving to Colorado. I love to ski. Um, I just got married. We didn't have kids yet, um, but love to ski. Wanted to move to Colorado. I wanted to be in a consumer facing business. And I didn't care if that was consumer tech or retail or products, but I uh, wanted to be in 
being something consumer oriented. I wanted to be in an earlier stage company, if at all possible, and was very interested in not taking a pay cut. And I remember my mentor telling me, man, if you could pick two out of those four things, I could really help you. Um, but you got some pretty lofty goals. And I'll tell you, I came across um, the team at Smashburger and got to know them. And, you know, sometimes, you know, being very specific on what you're looking for works out. And all four of those boxes were checked. I joined the early founding team at Smashburger at about restaurant 20, ended mm. up leading the marketing team there. Um, and, it was a rocket ship. We went from those 20 units to about 300 in the four years I was there. And, you know, I, I feel like it was my second MBA in a lot of ways. And that was my yeah. first foray into franchising. Uh, Smashburger was half corporate owned and half franchise units and really got to know really the, the magic of what a franchising concept can do from that better burger vantage point. And then on to WellBiz, starting with Elements. Yeah, so I joined. Um, I joined. What it was interesting. I had, um, you know, of course, like a lot of folks, talk to recruiters over time. I'd been very clear to everyone that I am not going to move from Colorado. Uh, just love it here. Um, and had a conversation um, with um, recruiters about the elements business that had come up. And they said, "Look, Jeremy, it's not restaurants, but it's franchising." And I knew the brand well. I was a member at Elements um, in my in my neighborhood and had been for a long time, and and really jumped at the opportunity. And at the time, Elements was um, one of three brands in the WellBiz portfolio. Mm-hmm. It was um, most of the revenue and all of the profit. Um, although WellBiz really didn't make very much money back then. This was about seven years ago, and uh, Elements had grown quickly through an area developer model. Um, it had about 180 to 200 units um, at the time. That I joined, but had really kind of struggled to gain traction on um, continuing to build top line revenue. And you had Massage Envy out there growing quickly and Hand in Stone out there growing quickly. And so a new private equity fund had bought the business and were looking to make a change in leadership. And so I jumped at the opportunity and been here ever since. It's been fantastic. Gosh, I love the way you talk about your career as meandering because I often tell my students, you know, where you start may not be where you end up. So really be flexible and look for those opportunities. And you also hit on something about know what you want. So you definitely have done well with that. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I really think that in a lot of ways, um, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to define this, but as I've at at the time going in, but I think the set of skill sets that it takes to be just a great franchisor um, are things that I've always gravitated to in other contexts. I just didn't necessarily know that there is a business model like franchising that would really be able to leverage those things. Building training programs, this relationship-driven business with so many franchise owners. Um, being a great franchisor is a lot like being a consultant, actually. All my franchisees run the same business, so it's great to offer that consulting business model. It's building teams, it's running conferences and events. So you know, there's there's a lot of things that I've actually always found really fun. And it's been great to be able to build a career in the area, in an area that actually brings all of those things together. Well, I couldn't agree more coming from the same area. So totally understand that. Well, let's talk a little bit about WellBiz. So WellBiz has over 825 locations, including the international expansion. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But you've mentioned your five brands, Elements, Dry Bar, Fitness Together, Radiant Waxing, and Amazing Lash Studio. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about your leadership philosophy? You talked a little bit already about the consulting model, but how is your leadership philosophy at WellBiz? How is it given the different brands you support? Well, we think about the brands first. So a couple of things about WellBiz that's probably helpful to understand. Um, Mm -hmm. From the 
outside, it looks like a holding company, but it really isn't. It's it's an operating entity for sure. And one of the things you mentioned at the top is that I carry this fancy CEO title for each of the five brands. Yes. And that is because um, we very deliberately have structured the team around a common support model that is somewhat brand agnostic. Um, of course, the brand experiences are very different. A blowout is different than a massage, is different than eyelash extensions. However, as we have both acquired the brands in our portfolio and thought about how we build the team, it's been important that our brands have a lot of common lineage. So there's, I'd call it oddly specific criteria, but it's worked well for us. All of our brands focus on a mass affluent female consumer. So that's a nice fancy business school way of saying an upper income, uh, upper income beauty woman, uh, woman that's going in to get beauty services. Mm-hmm. They're all beauty services and wellness. Um, they are all focused on personal services. So that means one-on-one with a service provider, whether that's a massage therapist or cosmetologist or esthetician or personal trainer. And that's different than group fitness, or that's That's different than, um, you know, running a a products oriented thing or a restaurant. All of our brands are franchised. We have one corporate unit out of our, it's now nearly 900. It's been a, been a good year for us um, along the way. And so when, when you piece all... Oh, and they're all focused on membership. I always forget one of them as I'm going through. And so they're all focused on highly recurring revenue and membership. And so what that means is the, the brand experiences are very different, but the business engine behind them are incredibly similar. All of our brands are roughly 1,500 square foot units that sit in the suburbs in front of a Target or Whole Foods. All of them have a front desk that focuses on customer service and membership sales. We are selling 45-minute to 60-minute appointments, one-on-one with a service provider for each. We are using digital marketing to target this mass affluent female customer and giving her a great offer to drive her in for the first time, give her a wow experience on the service, and then sell her a membership. And then we're doing that you know, with the technology backbone and training backbone um, that we're able to leverage across the brands. And so as a consequence of all of those things are so similar across our brands, it lets us organize our team from a central standpoint and really leverage learning and leverage resources across the brands. And so our org chart looks really conventional. I have a COO, a CMO, a CTO, um, but those folks are all working across all five brands at once um, by design. It becomes a bit of a complicated tap dance um, at times for sure, but we think the benefits of being able to have a really high-powered team that can focus on all five at once is better than trying to have five separate business units that have to have um, you know, more of a smaller resource allocation along the way. That is quite the infrastructure. And so the first thing I think of is with that commonality across the five brands, do you have many franchisees who actually own multiple brands of WellBiz? We do. And we do. And um, we're still in the early stages of that for sure. So we probably have um, two dozen or so franchise owners that are across multiple brands. And that has accelerated since we brought on Dry Bar and Radiant Waxing in 2021. One of the first things we do when we bring on those brands is you know, effectively, it's a friends and family deal. We go and talk to our existing franchise owners about our our new brands and whether they want to do it. And multi-brand isn't a goal in and of itself. We want to be able to unlock opportunities for our franchisees. If they want to build empires of having 10 or 15 or 20 units within one brand, that's fantastic. Um, But sometimes it's easier, depending on what choices people are making, to be able to open a second location in the same trade area or even in the same shopping center of the different brand. And if they're able to have common support from our team, 
common franchise agreement approach, common technology tools. It, it right. becomes a lot easier for them to go into another brand than having to go outside and find another thing. And it's, you know, all in their backyard so they can more easily drive to it um, or other things. So it's it's been great to unlock the ability of multi-brand ownership for folks. Um, and I think over time, we are starting to lead with that a little bit more to um, provide new franchise prospects the opportunities to get into multiple brands at once. Um, but usually still people start with one and get to know mm-hmm. us and get going, and then they will um, take on other things from that. It just seems a much simpler way to acquire new brands when you already know the infrastructure that is provided. So it really seems like a natural. Have you ever thought about putting two brands into one asset? We have. um, We have for sure. We're actually doing some prototyping on it. It's interesting. We're more, um, we're unlikely to do the KFC Taco Bell thing where it's like fully (laughs) mashed together. It's probably separate storefronts. However, it's probably, you know, it can be common break rooms. I mean, when you think about Amazing Lash and Radiant as an example, they both require estheticians. Um, It's actually great career opportunities for one franchise owner to be able to provide a little bit of variety for their teams. Um, If we're doing it right with our training and technology tools and things like that, you might be able to have one manager over the top of two different brands um, of ours, especially if they're, you know, adjacent to each other or co-located. So I never say never on anything, by the way, like we may do the KFC Taco Bell thing someday, but the brand experience at Dry Bar is so different than the brand experience at Amazing Lash is so different from that at Elements that it would, uh, you know, it would take a lot for us to um, want to give that a shot. It is a lot. Having operated a couple of those KFC Taco Bells, I can tell you it is a lot. But um, all I hear when I hear you talk, Jeremy, what comes to mind is growth. And it is fast. You have your brands have hit the top list of all those fastest growing franchises. Which brand is growing the fastest and why? Well, um, first of all, all of our brands are growing pretty fast, which they is are. which is a great thing. Um, from a unit count standpoint, um, Drybar is growing the fastest currently. Although it's interesting, it, another way that people sometimes ask this question is like, well, which brand is your favorite <laughs> or something like that? I wouldn't that. ask you that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like I always tell people, well, who's your favorite child, right? They all yeah. have their own little nuances. Because Amazing Lash is the biggest by unit count. Mm-hmm. Elements is the biggest by system-wide sales. Drybar is by quite a bit the most well-known brand that we have. And, and we're selling the most franchises of that currently, although we're selling on all of them. Um, Radiant is the newest to the portfolio. Um, and fitness together is like the first child. It, it's the one that kind of got it all, kind of got wow. it all started. And you know, this is probably not too much of a surprise. We said most of our customers are um, our mass affluent female customers. Like I'm a customer of Elements and Fitness Together, but not our other three. And I started with Elements, and I'm a Fitness Together customer and Elements customer. So there's a lot going on with all of them. But a big part of our thesis with Drybar when we acquired it in 2021 was that. It had really franchising had never been a focus. It was focused on um, a relatively small subset of markets: Manhattan, LA, um, kind of the big city DMAs. And we had done mm-hmm. our research, and we knew that, particularly at the price point and with the brand awareness that was already out there at Drybar, that there was just a huge opportunity to do to introduce Drybar outside of the top ten. Uh, cities in the country. And that thesis has proven to be right. And we have a ton of interest from franchise prospects looking to bring dry bar to their cities and places like Tulsa and Omaha and Jacksonville. And we have a lot of customers that are so excited when they find out that dry bar is coming to their town. The reputation precedes itself. 
Well, I wish we could talk all about your brands, but I want to talk about Dry Bar a little bit more. I read that it was created the old-fashioned way, as I call it, the American dream. Founder Allie Webb started out of her home, driving to her clients to provide a blowout hairstyle, um, not cutting or coloring or any other service. And she quickly realized that this was a need. So she created Dry Bar, which is a major disruptor in the hair care industry. Can you tell us a bit more about Dry Bar, where it started and where it is today? Absolutely. So as you described, so actually all of our brands have this common lineage where founders that were service providers uh, in their own craft that really happened on this idea and took the entrepreneurial dream and built their first location themselves. Allie probably had the best uh, PR team of our five founders um, that are out there. Her story is well known. She's out there doing a book tour right now on her second book, actually, um, which is really exciting about the dry bar story. But she started and it was a family business. Um, she was doing blowouts out of her car. She was driving mm-hmm. all over LA and the business was booming. And she's like, my gosh, I'm spending all this time in traffic. If I could just have a location, the clients could come to me and I could see twice as many clients. So she mm-hmm. called her brother uh, and said, "Like, I need help. I, I'm a great hairstylist, but I don't know how to start this business. And they pretty much agreed on the spot. Her brother was going to help fund the business and like do the business side of things, deal with the leases, help with the legal stuff. And she was going to take care of the customers. And pretty pretty quickly, um, her husband uh, at the time became was really the brand genius behind it, developed the brand, developed the trade dress, uh, developed uh, the look and feel of what everyone sees as as dry bar and the bright yellow. And, and the business was born. And they brought on private equity a couple of years later to help accelerate some of the growth. Mm-hmm. And they really focused on growth from a corporate unit standpoint and from a product standpoint. So you will see even today drive our products for sale in Ulta and Sephora and Nordstrom's. And that's part of the reason that the brand is so much bigger than the footprint um, is that there's just a lot of visibility for women in every you know every beauty product store they go into, you're going to find uh, dry bar hardware and dry bar products for sale. I think you're right because I do see that a lot as well. But let's talk a little bit about some of the specifics I read in the dry bar FDD. So you mentioned trade dress, and it was interesting to me that it's considered a unique aspect of your brand, and an improved architect must be used for each dry bar, and even the music is from an approved vendor. Can you share your philosophy here, please? The brand experience is just critical. And the brand, I mean, look, it's very important to us that we give a world-class, we'd like to be known as like the best place to go get a blowout, but that's just really where it starts because there's a lot of places to get a blowout. You can get a blowout at your typical hairstylist uh, where you're getting colored or cut or anything else. But the overall experience of coming into uh, coming into that shop, um, seeing the bright yellow butterclip chandelier, hearing the kind of music, seeing the type of movies we play, even the scent and the smell of the play, like, it's all a part of it. And so we control that incredibly tightly. And, and our franchisees want us to as well. I mean, in fact, I mean, they hold each other accountable as much as we do. Um, you know, it's very important for a member that has experienced dry bar in Manhattan when she walks into St. Louis, that it has that just same dialed in experience. Um, and it's part of what makes the the magic happen. And so, yes, we do make sure they're using the right architects and the right sound and music vendors and the right AV approach. Cause it, it's just every little piece of it is part of the, the building blocks to, to make sure that it all comes together the right way for guests. Oh, I can see that. It's definitely part of that brand and you have to protect that at all costs. But I've rarely seen that you use an architect. So I was fascinated with that. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah, of and course. Be, 
And being an educator, of course, I'm fascinated with this concept you have of a mandatory shop educator. Can right. you talk about that and why it's important? Yeah. So the shop educators, it is an incredibly important role. It's incredibly important for the shops. It's incredibly important for our ability to support the franchisees and to make sure that those blowouts are having the right consistency across the concept. So what a shop educator does, they're they're in a lot of ways like the queen stylist of the shop. They know how to do all the hairstyles. They've been trained on everything and they know it's a train the trainer approach. They know how to train the stylist on how to go do things. In the type of business model we have, um, it is a hourly workforce. The the stylists are of course trained cosmetologists, but there does tend to be turnover in those positions. So you're constantly recruiting new people that are coming out of business school, training them on how to do dry bar blowouts. And we want that to happen in the shop. The other thing that the shop educators are able to do, which really just makes sure that it's a dialed in experience for everybody, is particularly for new stylists, they will circle up at the end of an appointment, the last five minutes, and really check in and make sure the hair is done the right way. So if there's anything that's gone you know, maybe a new stylist can get it to 90%, but they're not like that shop educator can come in and really make sure that our client is getting that perfect look that she's looking for as well. So it's a combination of, yes, they are probably the best stylist in the shop. They know how to train other folks and they know how to do that finishing um, if needed for the clients. Because one of the things that's different about dry bar than a lot of hair concepts is you make an appointment with us for a time, you don't necessarily make an appointment with a specific stylist. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's frankly part of the business model. We want our guests to be used to coming in and seeing other you know miscellaneous stylists um, mm-hmm. along the way. It helps us manage our books. Drive our shops are incredibly busy, somewhat argue even a little chaotic sometimes with 10 people getting blowouts at the same time and being able to have the flexibility of having guests see multiple different stylists really unlocks the business model uh, in a lot of ways. But I can see where you would need a trainer to stay on top of that to ensure the consistency of the experience. Right. Oh, that's great. Well, let's talk about this international franchise deal that you've just signed. So I just read an article about you just signed a master franchise agreement for 20 dry bar locations in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So our partner in Saudi Arabia is uh, Al-Hoker. They are a... um, they're a master franchisee of many concepts, a lot of premium concepts, most of which you have heard of. And they're a unique group because they're really two businesses at once. They they license and franchise many, many, many Western retail concepts, but they're also a real estate operator of several, actually it's 20 mega malls in Saudi Arabia. So oh. part of their, so there's a reason you're probably connecting why we did a 20 unit development agreement. Um, they're overall approach is to find great concepts and then quickly build them out and drive them through all of their real estate holdings that they have across the kingdom. Um, we got to know them from, they. it was inbound interest from them. They reached out to us and said, man, we've seen Drybar. Actually, you, you haven't asked me yet about our UK deal, but they had been at Harrods, had seen yeah. Drybar and Harrods, had seen that it was expanding, had reached out to us. And, you know, we said, hey, like, let's have a conversation about how it could look. And, you know, a year or so later, after several cups of tea together, we pinned an agreement and we're hopefully getting our first unit built next year. Well, that's phenomenal because they already have 20 places to put them. So what a smart can grow deal. Fast, which yes. is great. Yes. So is that why you use the master franchise agreement for the quicker growth? 
It is. Well, so we wanted to provide them flexibility to be able to um, sell other units if they on their own and they've, they've got experience being a master. Um, okay. and, and what that what that means is kind of taking a step back is effectively they act as the franchisor in Saudi Arabia. And I think for us, we we like to recognize like where are the limits of our expertise is, you know, clearly. Uh, the female consumer in Saudi Arabia is going to be a little bit different than the one in the United States. We don't know how to speak Arabic. There are limitations on, uh, you know, how women dress or how um, men can be in studios. Like there's like some operational differences that really need to be taken into consideration. And frankly, that's a big part of our partner selection. We need to make sure that they are going to both uphold what the brand stands for, make a great brand experience, but also help that come to life in that country's context in a way that is relevant for that local consumer. Um, so we like to do master franchise agreements when we go internationally because it aligns incentives. It, it you know Obviously, we're making a little bit less money when it's a master, but in turn, that um, more sophisticated master franchisor group is able to support other franchisees in that market in a way that is probably more robust than we would be able to do from Denver. That is actually a perfect way to talk about the benefits of master franchising because we teach that, of course, in all of our curriculum. It is a product not typically used in the U.S., even though there are some brands that use it, but it is typically used internationally for all the reasons that you've described. And choosing that person or that brand or that company that it's you... It's critical. Oh. <laughs> if you get it wrong, you really could have a mess on your hands. You yes. really want to make sure that the group that you're picking has all the capabilities that you're looking for, because if they're not, one, they might create a big mess, but two, you're going to find yourself doing all the work of the franchisor anyway and not getting right. the economics to help go along with it, which makes it really, really challenging to provide the right level of support otherwise. Challenging is a kind word. So yes. that is that is Maybe difficult. Impossible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned, and I was going to ask you about the dry bar at Harrods. Okay, I love Harrods. I'm not going to lie. Can you talk about that and what that model looks like? So Harrods is our master franchisee as well. Um, they're actually our first international dry bar unit. That Harrods deal, we ultimately signed it post-transaction, um, but it was in progress prior to our acquisition of dry bar. So we were able to get it across the line. Super exciting deal. So for anyone that's ever been to London, probably in the top 10 places to go visit, when you go, to, you're going to go to Big Ben and you're going to go to the London Bridge and like, you're going to go to Westminster Abbey and then like Harrods is probably on that list. It's just, oh, yes. you know, a world renowned, world famous mall. They had never done a franchise agreement before. You know, of course, they are known for partnering with almost every luxury beauty brand that you could imagine, but they'd never done franchising. Uh, so we're really proud that Dry Bar yeah. was, you know, they were confident enough in the experience to be able to do it. And Harrods had a really interesting business plan um, in place. They um, were in the process of renovating their beauty shop um, that was in the Harrods flagship location. And um, that's where they put the dry bar. But then also they're in the process of rolling out a new concept for them called H2, which probably for the US listeners, the, the most similar to that is something kind of like Sephora and Ulta. Um, gotcha. You know, of course, it's a little bit different, but, but they're doing more shop and shop experiences. So every single H2 that they are opening across the UK they are putting a dry bar shop in as a shop and shop experience. And so when you look at our map, you know, whether it's in Edinburgh or in Milton Keys, like these are all um, H2 locations that have a dry bar shop and shop experience. And they sell the product in those locations, but you're also able to get a blowout and it has our typical trade dress with the mirrors and the buttercup chandeliers and those kind of things in place. 
Oh, Jeremy, that is exciting. Um, that flagship location is, is, as I said, is one of my favorite spots. So that is exciting. Congratulations on that. What do you look for in your franchisees? Aside so from the that master. You asked me that today. So we have a confirmation day today. We have four dry bar prospects here today. Oh. So it's apropos that uh, that you're asking that currently. We look for a lot of things. So first of all, um, many, not all, but many of our franchisees, like it's it's their first time being a franchisee or first time running a small business. And we pride ourselves in being able to onboard and help those first time franchise prospects being able to build a business um, for themselves in a, in a dry bar, amazing lash for elements, massage concept. So it's not necessarily that we need to see a track record of, oh my gosh, you've run 10 different franchise concepts and been a multi-unit owner. We're okay with somebody that just has a big passion for dry bar or amazing lash or massages or waxing and wants to get in that business. We will teach you how to, how to do that piece. Our brands are not absentee or semi-absentee mod. These are concepts that require a lot of engagement from owners, particularly in the early years as it gets ramped up and the team is um, getting set and the membership base is getting established. You know, over time, of course, we have lots of multi-unit owners. You know, we don't expect our owners to work the front desk day to day um, 24-7 or anything, but it's also not one where it's like, hey, keep your day job, hire a manager and hope for the best. Um, so we look for people that are willing to kind of jump all in with us. Um, spend that time building the business that they're excited to be the mayor of radiant waxing or fitness together or dry bar in their town and have that be part of what they're building together. We also look for people that really understand the importance of the brands we have and following the process. I just told our prospects today that like, Hey, if you're looking to come in and like figure out how to make big changes to dry bar, you're going to find yourself very unhappy as our franchisee. As you brought it before. You're going to use our architects. You're going to use our music vendor. You're going to have a shop educator. Like we know how to do this. It's proven. It's a brand that is crushing it. And there's just so much to do as a franchise owner to build the culture, build the team, make that dry bar piece special. That's a lot to do anyway. Um, and so we want franchisees to focus on that portion. We will focus on building the brand and the processes and the training and the technology and the tools. And like if we both focus on the parts of it that we're both really good at and accustomed to go and doing, then it's it's going to be a really successful business partnership. But I will tell folks, hey, like you of course have the choice to go build your own hair salon and call it, you know, call it Kathy's hair salon. Like that is okay with yeah. me. But if you want to do dry bar with us, you got to do it our way because our franchisees expect that dry bar experience and customers expect that dry bar experience to be near, nearly identical. You know, Jeremy, those statements just demonstrate what a strong leader you are because franchising is not for everyone. If you can't follow a plan, it's not. And so to be that up front definitely guarantees you'll get the best folks in those franchisee seats. So that's awesome. I feel like I could talk about Dry Bar forever, but we're coming near our end. So I have two more questions to ask you. Sure, of course. You've accomplished so much in your career. It's just really incredible. What are you most proud of? I'm incredibly proud of the team we built at WellBiz. I mean, it has been it's been a journey to get to where we are today. I think, you know, talking on a podcast like this and about what our organizational structure looks like and how we support franchisees. Like, you know, that didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't a quick snap of the fingers. We acquired brands from founders, incredibly passionate founders who built great, great brands and great experiences. They chose WellBiz because of our ability to scale and our expertise in franchising and bringing those brands up to speed as quickly as we can 
under this kind of common umbrella has just been a lot of fun. And I've you know just had the honor of building an incredible team behind me uh, that's been able to, to bring it to life. I think in the early days um, when I was at Elements, there's a little bit of like, man, let's just put this brand on our back and you know work till 2 a.m. every night and talk to every franchise owner. I still know every franchise owner. Most of them have my cell phone number, but I can't do that alone. And we have 130 people today that support our franchisees and they just do such an amazing job that um, it makes my it makes my job easier. That's great to hear. And my last question, is there anything you wish you had known before you started your franchising journey? Hmm, I, I love that question. I think it harkens back to one of the things I said before. I, I frankly wish I knew more what it meant to be a franchisor. I might have gotten into it sooner, um, to be honest with you. It's 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 such a just fulfilling job to be able to work with cool brands, build a great team at WellBiz, and then enable franchisees to build their own business dreams, create generational wealth. I mean, um, that's incredibly rewarding. I mean, I tell the team a lot of times, I mean, look, we are selling eyelash extensions and blowouts. This is not curing cancer, for sure. Um, and so there should not be in the scheme of things, like a huge massage emergency that cut, like, let's not take ourselves too seriously. This should be fun. Like we're working with cool brands on experiences that people love and it's a business. So of course there's going to be things that come up along the way, but there's not hardly a problem um, that can't be solved. If we, you know, take a little time and talk through it and make a plan and, and go attack it. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you can turn everything on a dime overnight, but I think if you keep that kind of long view, Franchising is just such a great place to build a career. And, you know, if you're a people person, I think working as a franchisor or a franchisee is just such a rewarding, rewarding thing. So I wish I would have maybe been aware of it sooner. Well, I couldn't agree with that more. And I want to thank you so much for all of your insights. And it's just been wonderful. And I wish WellBiz nothing but success. And you have so many great brands. I'll be visiting them soon. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to send you some coupons, Gabby. Ah, (laughs) there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Franchise U is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise U.